Happy Monday, Wildcat fans, and thanks for making this your first listen of the day. We are going to take a um, trip down memory lane today. We are going to talk about all 12 of the Pac-12 teams, what they were able to do, um, and what their futures look like, and a little bit of the legacy of the Pac-12 and Arizona. You are locked on Wildcats. Your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Wildcats your first listen of the day. This show is brought to you by FanDuel, fanduel.com slash locked on. All right. Now, as everybody knows, the Pac-12 has dissolved. Um, Listen. I, uh, or at least with football and basketball is almost over. Listen, I love the, uh, I have a lot of great memories of the PAC 12. Um, but let's be honest here. The PAC 12 now is not the PAC 12 that we grew up watching. Now it is ironic that the PAC 12 had the best uh, season that, uh, best football season it's had maybe ever this past year in its last year, but that doesn't change the fact that we are where we are and that, uh, the conference got here. They don't have a TV deal because it was put together. Uh, you had a bunch of people, like we talked about, that don't care about sports. Um, and when you have uh, presidents that don't care about sports, like at ASU, like at Cal, like at Stanford, I can keep going. Um, that's kind of where you're at. And you end up being kind of a bottom-tier conference, and that should have never been the way it was because of all the rich history and everything that is uh, that this conference does have going for it. All right, but um, we're going to go team by team and just kind of talk about, you know, where everybody's at, how their outlook looks going forward. So why don't we start with Arizona? All right. Now, the Arizona Wildcats, obviously, we're going to be a little bit biased here, hence the name, the Locked on Wildcats show. But here's where I'm at with Arizona. Um, Arizona did a – Arizona – Again, I still think Dave Hickey took the fall for stuff that had nothing to do with him, but that is what it is um, at this point. But Arizona right now with uh, football is at a good spot. Listen, I don't like Jed Fish. You probably don't like Jed Fish. I mean, the guy's kind of a snake, to be honest with you, uh, telling everybody that he was going to stay, and then he uh, ends up leaving, all of that. I don't care that he left. I care how he left. But either way, he did a good job here. He showed a template for how to win at Arizona. And more importantly, he also showed the, uh, the capability to, he also showed the, on how you can, uh, you know, and how you can get talent, how you can keep it together. And these guys that he brought in, we got to be honest, they're loyal. Um, you know, it would have been very easy for a lot of these dudes to just move on somewhere else and say, you know what? I'm done. Whatever the case may be. They didn't do any of that though. They stuck around and again, loyalty. So, but this is a really good team that he uh, that Brent Brennan is inheriting. Excuse me. This is a team that has the possibility of winning, I think, 10 game or 10, 11 games. And I think college football playoffs are very, very much on the table. Um, so I would uh, um, I would ah, listen. I love where Arizona is at from a football and a basketball perspective. Now, listen, in the Big 12, it's going to be a lot different in basketball for sure because these games are about to get very, very tough very, very quickly. But I like that. I'm excited about that. In football, I think it's an underrated conference. You're always going to have four or five teams in the top 25. 
I'm totally cool with it. I give Arizona an A heading into where they are. Uh, I give Arizona an A heading into the uh, Big 12. I'm very excited to see where how Arizona stacks up because I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, now ASU. <laughs> ASU. Um. All right, here's where we're at with ASU. ASU sucks in basketball and football. Um, I do like, like I said, I like Kenny Dillingham. I think he's a, I think he's a really good dude. Um, not only do I think he's a good dude, um, I, uh, I would like the hire if I was ASU because Dilly wants to be there. As we found out a big part of it is who wants to be there. Who's willing to really put in all the effort. Dilly wants to be there. Um, that is a, the, uh, that is a, a big thing about, uh, ASU. And honestly, I think he's going to get some good players, but it's definitely going to take him some time. Um, but either way, uh, and then with basketball, Bobby Hurley, uh, that's going to be a really tough road to hoe for, uh, uh, ASU. Um, I think they're, I think they're, uh, positioned terribly to go into the big 12, to be honest with you. I think they're going to be bad at football and I think they're going to be extra bad in basketball. Although I would have more hope in football. Not only would I have more hope in football, um, you know, like I said, from a, uh, from a talent, from a competitive factor, I think that Arizona can do, uh, Arizona can do a little or do a little bit better, but overall, I'm still kind of of the opinion that uh, ASU is not positioned well. But let's be honest here: ASU would not ASU would not be positioned well to go anywhere because they are just not in good shape on the football or the basketball uh, field slash court. So I give them a D going into the a Big Twelve. Not going to be good for them. Not going to be good for them. <laughs> All right. Now, let's go to the Mountain Schools, the other corner four schools, as John Canzano would love to call them with the fake sources. Utah. Um, Utah it, Utah is interesting to me because Utah clearly did not want to go to the Big 12, but you are here. Take that. Um, listen, Utah football is awesome. Uh, Kyle Whittingham is about as good a coach as there is in college football. Um, everybody always says, you know, well, why, does it some, why isn't somebody else poached him? Um, it's because he's probably not poachable. Um, he's, uh, because again, he's just a, uh, you know, he's a, uh, he's a, he's a smart dude. Not only is he a smart dude, he also knows that, you know, he's probably got a good thing going there. He feels comfortable at, uh, Utah. And again, I don't think, I just don't think that he's looking to go anywhere. Kyle Whittingham though, is a, a total beast. Uh, you theoretically are getting cam rising back. I don't know that for a fact, but theoretically you're getting cam rising back. Um, and then, uh, you also have a, uh, you've got a team in, uh, you've got a team that should be a top 15 team. Listen with Whittingham, you just pretty much know the whole thing is self-sustainable. You don't even really need to look at the roster. You just know that they're going to be a top 15 team. It is a, uh, it is a, uh, a very good rock. Like I said, it's a very good roster or roster and you have a coach, but a big part of that is what's going on with cam rising because cam rising obviously suffered a debilitating knee injury. Um, we're more, we're what 14 or 15 months or 14 months out from it now. And he still, I don't believe has been cleared for everything. Um, Utah needs him because again, you saw though, if Utah just puts an average quarterback back there, they're going to be an average team. No matter how good you are, you're still going to be an average team. They need more out of, uh, they certainly need more out of that quarterback spot. And they need Cam Rising to be that guy because, again, Cam Rising's a gamer. Um, if you've watched any of him, you know that uh, he can put the ball where he needs to. And not only that, 
like, you know, if there's a third and eight, you feel pretty comfortable, whether with his arms or his legs, he's going to make it happen one way or the other. Cam Rise, big fan of him. I like, and I like it. Like I said, I like Kyle Whittingham. I like what he's done there. Um, so I give them an A. Basketball is just going to be kind of meh. They're going to get eaten alive in the Big 12, but I think they're far more concerned about football at Utah. Now, the school that everybody's talking about, we're going to talk about next. But first, FanDuel. Check it out. FanDuel.com slash locked on. All kinds of good stuff going on at FanDuel. You can put down five bucks, get 150. That's how cool it is. All right. Now, uh, go there. And you can bet, uh, like I said, you can bet live sports, you can bet uh, futures, you can bet OUs, you name it, they got it. You know your money's good as well at FanDuel. Check it out, fanduel.com slash locked on. Thanks for keeping it locked on, Wildcats, and making this your first listen of the day. I am your host, Mike Luke. All right, now Colorado. Colorado's an interesting for me. Colorado's fan base seems to think that they're good at things. In my in the last 30 years, if Colorado has been good at football or basketball, I must be missing it. Um, because they haven't. I mean, I guess maybe the last year of Rick Neuheisel or the last two years of Rick Neuheisel, but they haven't. They haven't been good. But if you were to listen to Colorado, these fans are everywhere and they're uh, they will tell you just how good they are. Um, gotta see it. They keep talking about how great Dion did. Um, well, yes, he did. I'll, uh, you Colorado was significantly better in year one under Dion. They also finished last in the conference. So it is what it is. They finished last in the conference. So they weren't that good. And again, you were four and eight. But I will say, I like Shadur Sanders a great deal. I think that Shadur Sanders is going to be a very good uh, NFL quarterback as well. He might not have the biggest arm in the world, but he is able to uh, spread the ball around. Um, He's got great touch. He's got maybe the best touch in college football. And he's also the dude who, he's also the guy who is... I don't know. It's just good. Like I said, you got Travis Hunter. You got some other wide receivers coming in there as well. Um, and But the big thing was is they needed to bulk up on the offensive and defensive lines. They've gotten significantly better on the offensive and defensive side of the football uh, on both lines. I look for them to be good. But again, this is one of those ones. I'm still going to kind of take it with a grain of salt. I'm going to still wait to see exactly what unfolds because, again, I still you still know that this isn't the greatest team in the world. And again, they last year, in case you missed it, they were four and eight and last in the conference. But I look for them to be good. I think they're going to be an eight and four team. I think they're going to flip that. But uh, the problem, though, with Dion, the problem, though, with Colorado is it's all totally reliant on Dion. And if Dion leaves, Colorado goes right back to being Colorado where nobody cares. Um, so if you're Colorado, you want to make sure and you really want to push this one so that they you can uh, win as much as possible because it wouldn't surprise me at all if Dion's out the door after this year. From a basketball perspective, Tad Boyle's solid. Like I said, he's kind of the John Tesh of college football. Nobody's Nobody really hates him. Nobody really likes him. It's just kind of there. He's good enough to get by. Um, he is. Uh, he's okay. That's it. Um, but overall, I give them a, uh, a B minus going into the big 12. Um, because like I said, a massive reason why is that they're totally relying on Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders is bigger than the uh, program. And when Deion Sanders leaves, um, Colorado goes back to being Colorado. 
is what it is. So there, uh, I give them a I give them a B minus going into the Big Twelve. All right, now let's talk about the LA schools. UCLA is in an awful position now. Everybody knows that I think you, uh, uh, Big Twelve basketball stinks. It does. It's terrible. We all we every single year we have to keep hearing about how great uh, the big uh, our Big Ten basketball is. It sucks. Every year they get thirteen teams in. They all get knocked out in the first round. Um, and then we'll have to hear about it again, rinse and repeat. Um, but uh, UCLA is in a bad spot. Uh, Mick Cronin has lost control of his program. Not only has he lost control of his program, it looks like he's trying to force his way out of UCLA by some of his odd post-game rants. Um, and not only some of his odd post-game rants, his uh, um, not only some of his odd post-game rants, some of his uh, just weird, you know, just like I said, blaming all the players, calling them dumb. I mean, that's not really the way that you're probably supposed to go about doing this, Mick. But whatever. It is what it is. Mick Cronin is going to Mick Cronin. Um, but uh, they're they're not good. They stink. And football-wise, they're not very good either. Um, you know, I liked the hire of Chip Kelly uh, initially, but Chip Kelly at Oregon is not around anymore. That is not the same person. Uh, he is gone. Um, and the offense is just kind of meh. The defense, I mean, the defense actually was pretty good, but they lost their D.C. to USC. No surprise. And so, you know, with Mick Cronin or with UCLA going into the Big Ten, I think the Big Ten is massively overrated. But I am going to say that I'm going to give the I'm going to give them a C minus. I think on basketball, even though the Big Ten sucks, uh, I think that UCLA is going to uh, I think UCLA is going to suck even more. And in football, they're just kind of just kind of meh. I'm going C minus. I wouldn't feel good about him at all. All right. Now let's talk about USC. USC is interesting. Uh, I like Andy Enfield. Um, I know that he's very bland, very plain. I get all of that, but I think Andy, I like Andy Enfield. Um, but there's no doubt about it that they have been one of, they have probably been the most disappointing team in college basketball this year. They stink. They're awful. And they shouldn't be because you have a lot of talent. I mean, in Boogie Ellis, you returned the leading scorer in the conference. Uh, Isaiah Collier is going to be, now granted, Isaiah Collier's hurt. But they're going to be a top, you know, he's going to be a top 5 to 10 pick. You got other talent uh, as well up front. You're Vinci Wachukwu's, you're uh, you're, uh, Joshua Morgans, et cetera, et cetera, DJ Rodman. But they just haven't been able to get it together. And that's ultimately, that's on the coach. I mean, that's just the way it is. And not only is that on the coach. Um, that's something that, uh, you can't really look past. Uh, he is a, uh, uh, you know, Andy Enfield, uh, like I said, I think he's done a good job, but he's going to have to recalibrate. You're going into the big 10 again. I think that that's going to help them to a certain degree. Cause again, you know what I think of big 10 basketball, but he's got to re he's got to regroup right there. Now, Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley is an interesting case. Um, I like Lincoln Riley. But I think it's also fair to say at this stage in the game that Lincoln Riley's teams are soft. Um, they can win, you know, they can win conference championships. They can compete for conference championships. Well, when they play against really good teams, they get they get blown out. Um, that's kind of the way it is. 
Uh, the record at this point certainly speaks for itself. Not only does the record uh, right now speak for itself, you also know that uh, they are probably not going to get uh, this, probably not going to change a ton. And in the, uh, the Big Ten, it is certainly more physical, but again, a lot of the teams in the Big Ten suck. Let's just be honest here. You got your Iowas, your Rutgers, your Nebraskas, your Maryland's. I mean, just teams that aren't that good. Your Michigan States that we keep having to hear about how great they are, and they kind of they all kind of suck. Um, and uh, there'll be more of that. UCLA stinks as well. So I don't. If I'm uh, if I'm an SC or if I'm an SC fan, like there's wins to be had, but I'm also worried that the new kids on the block, Oregon and Washington, have surpassed me. That they've become a little bit cooler of a place to go. And honestly. Um, Lincoln Riley's got to bounce back. You just had the, uh, you just had a quarterback who's going to be the number one pick of the draft. You, you went, uh, what you went to uh, seven and five. That's not, that's not good enough. Um, going off to the big 10, I'm going to give them a B minus the program as a whole, because USC football is still USC football at the end of the day. Um, and I think that Andy Enfield will be able to bounce back to a certain degree, but that's kind of where I'm at, man. I'm, I think it's kind of a, you know, I think it's kind of a B minus. It's going to be on Lincoln Riley to be able to prove some of these folks wrong. All right. Now let's talk a little bit about, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the, uh, the schools, uh, schools in the mid, mid regions there. Uh, Cal and Stanford, uh, ACC greats, Cal and Stanford. Listen, Cal and Stanford to me are kind of the one big reason that the Pac-12 is going away. Um, Cal and Stanford are, um, uh, well, especially let's talk Cal. Cal doesn't care about sports. And that's kind of weird because, you know, 15, 20 years ago, they did matter. I mean, you had, like I said, you had Todd Bozeman cheating his way through at Cal, getting Jason Kidd, Lamont Murray, et cetera, et cetera. Then you also had, uh, under football, you had Jeff Tedford, who did a really good job. I mean, you Aaron Rodgers, Marshawn Lynch, Namdi Asamoah, Cameron Jordan. I can keep going. It was an awesome, awesome group of dudes that came through there. Javid Best before he got hurt. Um, uh, Keenan Allen in the NFL. Uh, Tony G before even them. But that's that is a relic of the past. Those schools no longer, or those guys aren't there, and Cal no longer cares about uh, sports. And you can just tell that by the administration. Cal is whatever. Cal's an F wherever they're going because, quite frankly, they don't care. Stanford, um, listen, Stanford's kind of in the same boat. When you got a guy in Jared Hass who's been there for nine or nine years or whatever, and I'm not sure he's ever had a winning record, and they still don't want to fire him because, well, they don't care. That's just kind of indicative of what's going on at the school. Um, I put them as an F as well. Actually, maybe a D minus. I don't actually hate Taylor, the uh, Stanford coach, I, uh, football coach. I think he's done a decent job. But overall, um, I'm going to go D for Stanford. I think I think Stanford kind of stinks. Um, not very impressed by them. Um, and quite frankly, if you don't care about athletics, then that's going to be a big uh, that's going to be a big drawback. All right, now we're going to talk about the remaining four coming up next. Thanks for keeping it locked on Wildcats and making this your first listen of the day. I am your host, Mike Luke. All right, now let's talk about Washington. Grr, Washington with Jed Fish. All right, um, listen, uh, Jed Fish uh, did some really good things at Arizona. Jed Fish is also a snake. Two things can be true. 
Um, so Jed Fish is up at Washington. It's going to be a really tough first year for Washington because let's, let, I mean, let's be honest. I think Jed Fish thought that he was going to take the entire Arizona football team with him and he didn't. Now, again, he got some dudes for sure. Ephesians Prysock is a big time corner. Jonah Coleman, big time running back. Um, then you also have, uh, you also have Isaiah Ward and Deuce Davis. Those are good players for sure. But I think he thought he was going to take like the entire offensive line with him. Uh, that he was going to probably get T Mac, et cetera, et cetera. He didn't get any of those guys, so that's a uh, that's a nice little uh, feather in Arizona's cap that he wasn't able to get any of those players. Um, but that being said, uh, he is uh, you know I, he's he's in for a struggle because again, this team just came off playing in the national championship game, um, and uh, they will. Um, they've lost pretty much everybody, and yes, he's been able to get some players, but. That's gonna there. That's gonna be a tough. That's gonna be a rough road to hoe. I think you're looking at probably a six and six season, something like that. And we'll see how long it takes. But I could see Washington having a real. Uh, I could see Washington having some real problems. Um, and we'll see how patient the fan base is because Kalen DeBoer essentially moved flawlessly in his couple years there. So we're gonna find out about that one. Uh, basketball wise, who cares? Uh, Mike Hopkins stinks. Um. I'll give him a B going in because, again, as much as I don't like Jed Fish, he did a really good job here. He'll probably win at Washington. All right, Oregon. Uh, Dan Lanning is the man. Dan Lanning is a very, very good coach. Uh, you can win a national championship at Oregon. Um, I think with uh, Lanning, he's he he could at, at, he could definitely end up being a lifer. He's able to get the players that he needs at Oregon on both sides of the football, and you kind of think that maybe he's eclipsed SC from a recruiting perspective being able to uh, get players that he needs in there to be able to win football games. Um, Dan Lanning is a ma the man. Uh, wouldn't surprise me at all if they win the big, uh, the big 10 next year. He can, uh, they're bigger, they're faster, they're just just better. Um, Dana Altman, like I said, I like Dana. Dana's kind of taking a step back, but I think their position still fairly well because, again, the big 10 does stink. Um, with both of those schools, I am giving a... Or with uh, a or with Oregon, I'm giving them an A going into the Big Ten. I think they're very well equipped to be able to win. Okay, now, now let's talk about the two schools that are home: Oregon State and Washington State. Now, um, I catch a lot of flack from Oregon State and Washington State fans, but I give it right back. And just so everybody else out there knows, the genesis was that Oregon State fans were nonstop on me when I kept rep uh, reporting that Canzano was wrong, that uh, the conference was not staying together. And that's why I've had fun with Oregon State fans. But one thing I will say about Oregon State fans is they are super, super passionate. Um, I have a great respect, a lot of uh, respect for Oregon State fans. Shout out the Digital Dam. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, very good. And they're also very, uh, they're very, uh, how do I put this? Passionate. Um, if it was up to me, I would 1000% get rid of uh, ASU and I would bring Oregon State along with me. I like, like I said, I like their passion. I like their fan base and I like that they're good at football. It's They're definitely an odd fan base, but they are, uh, they're very passionate and I appreciate that in a big way. Uh, they just don't have a place to play right now. Um, but I think football is going to be positioned well. Uh, I'm going to give them a B. I don't know what their future is, which is kind of, I guess, kind of an incomplete. Actually, we'll go incomplete. But 
I do like where they're at. Then Washington State, Washington State to me, whatever, dude. I don't really care. Uh, Washington State fans, um, if they win, they're around. If they lose, you don't hear from them. That's where they're different than Oregon State fans. That's why I have a lot more respect for Oregon State fans. They're an incomplete as well, but I would I would feel much more comfortable with uh, Oregon State than I would Washington State if we're just talking about football because I believe it's more self-sustaining. All right, now, tomorrow we're going to get back into some Arizona basketball, some Arizona football, and talking about uh, what this week holds. But as always, very, very much appreciate you make guys making Locked on Wildcats your first listen of the day. You have a great rest of your Monday. I'm your host, Mike. I'm your host, Mike Luke. Again, bear down, back the A. We will be back with you tomorrow. Get it? You've been listening to the AZ, or you've been listening to Locked on Wildcats podcast. <laughs>